boys and girls for another special edition of the Michael Deacon program. Joining me in a moment is Dr. Simeon Hine. He is the director of the Institute for Residence in Boulder, Colorado, a nonprofit organization focused on subtle energy sciences such as remote viewing and crop circle research. He holds a PhD in sociology and has taught at Washington State University. He is the author of the book Black Swan Ghosts, opening minds and of course his latest book dark matter monsters cryptids bald lightning and the science of secret life forms ladies and gentlemen put your hands together for our guest dr simeon hein it's mentioned 22 times in this event non-human what the heck non-human intelligence the u.s government can can see non-human technology from anyone i think they're thinking about defense contractors or something that's that's a pretty big shift from just saying they don't exist, right? Right, Project exactly. Project Blue Book and all this thing, all of a sudden now they're saying, uh, it exists and we can seize it within 180, you have to tell us within 90 days or, and then we can seize it within 180 days, eminent domain over extra. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas terrestrial technologies or they're, they're calling it non-human so i'm just saying look i got involved with this in 1996 with rv i was told by people who had been in the rv program lynn buchanan actually is a story in one of the books i wrote black swan ghost about all the different witnesses i've met since uh 96 interesting people right great people book by handled, the way oh thanks have you actually taken a look at it? Or I've actually, it? yeah, I've actually seen it, and uh, I actually like the artwork. Uh-oh. I like the artwork of, all, of both of your books, by the way. Oh, the newer ones. Yeah, that is, mm-hmm. a, so this is so interesting, Michael. Both Dark Matter Monsters and then my newest book about cryptids and Bigfoot. And Black Swan Ghost, which is about my contact with UFO witnesses. I mean, people that have handled crash wreckage. I mentioned Lynn Buchanan. Uh, he has a story in there being privy to some information. Um and uh, 
I had a friend from high school who I knew all the way back from the 80s who is a cartoon artist. And I, we were just talking one day at a reunion, a little high school reunion. He said, I'd love to do your cover. So he did Dark Matter Monster. Is that, a Ron, is that Ron Russell? Oh, Mar okay. I thought it was Ron Russell. Ron Russell is an artist I know. He didn't do the covers on this book. He has done a lot of artwork, and he introduced me to Crop Circle back in 1997. Let me just tell you briefly how that... Yeah, go started. ahead. Sure. Yeah, so having gotten involved in RV and hearing people who had worked with the government or for the government tell me, no, this is a real subject. This is extraterrestrial. It matters. And you'd never heard of these people before. They had no reason to make this up, and they were very detailed. I went to a UFO conference in Denver in 90, uh, late 96. Very early in the game. And, yeah, and mm -hmm. there was someone there named Ron Russell, who I'm still in contact with, a former NASA uh, artist, or he did work for NASA. And he gave a lecture about crop circles. Now, why was I interested in crop circles? I'd never even heard about them before remote viewing. It was at the target that we got at Farsight. Uh, the Windmill Hill Julia set was one of them. Uh, no, yeah, one of, one of, yeah, that was the Julia set uh, near Stonehenge. And uh, it was one of the first crop circles that I actually ever saw in a remote. I mean, it was a target. You see the picture after the session. I was just curious, what are these adders and wheat? So I went to hear Ron's lecture. I was at a UFO conference there. And there was a guy, Ron, talking about crop circles. Like, good, I'll learn what these are, right? And he was giving tours. To England, he said, why don't you come with us? I told him about fractals. I said, oh, that's fascinating. Some of them had to look like fractals. So I went with him in 97 to the UK, and I've been going back ever since. Wow. I went on his tour many times. I started leading tours over there after he stopped doing it. And we saw repeated camera and battery, battery failures in around crop circles. And this is, I said, whoa, how could your, your cell phone work so reliably? All of a sudden, it's just completely drained in a few seconds. I what, what could do that? Yeah. So that's how I, from RV to crop circles, think about it. But there were some similar principles that worked there and something generally strange going on. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that no one had mentioned, which, yeah, and by the way, themselves. by the, by the way, Mr. Hyman, um, did, did you yeah, ever, did you yourself ever witness any um, lights in the sky? Yes. I oh, did. you did. I did. This is maybe where it all started for me uh -huh. way back in 1970. I saw, you asked how I would have gotten involved with this. I mean, indirectly, when I was 12 or 13, my mom took us to the Everglades, just me and her, not my dad or brother. She was a bird watcher. We were out in the Everglades, and something came over that was pretty big and larger than a full moon, right over our heads, greenish with point-like dots of light in it that we could see through binoculars was a structured object. But I had never, I, there was no way to identify with This was not terrestrial technology. I mean, this, this did not fit. It didn't even feel right, Michael. It felt strange. Interesting. I, you know, I'm just like a young kid. I don't know what this is, but we saw that. And my mom said that was a UFO. It moved once we put our binoculars on there. It actually moved. So that was one, we went to the ranger talk that night. And the ranger asked if anyone had seen anything interesting. When my mom raised her hand, she, the ranger just wanted to go, anyone else see anything interesting? You want to hear it. My mom said, we saw a UFO. And the ranger immediately changed the discussion. So, and then there was a blackout. So in my you know, young 12-year-old mind, I'm thinking, well, we definitely saw this. The people next to us just happened to have seen it too. Why won't? Why doesn't the ranger want to talk about it? And this is that. So this is could be where 
you know, just generally, I, I'm interested in these topics, being something that a representative of the U.S. government wouldn't talk about, surprise, surprise, uh, as I would find out. And so I've seen those. I've seen plasma orbs. Yeah, you've seen the uh, triangular. The yeah, you've seen the triangular craft, I believe, too. I have seen triangular craft twice. Once camping by myself in Wyoming, above, way up in the snowy mass range. This thing was eye level because you're, uh, you know, another couple thousand feet above the, the, the land there over near Laramie, being up in that mountain range. Oh, that's pretty high elevation. Um, National wow. Forest. Yeah, so you're looking almost down at this thing, and I saw that with night. I just happened to have night vision binoculars on the hood of the truck, and I picked him up, and this was three, you know, lights connected by some structure, solid lights, no blinking, big. And then another sighting, can you believe this, at the Laughlin UFO Con uh, International Congress, Coming back with Denny Clark from Skywatching. Uh, well, I mean, it, it's not it's not that wild. I mean, I, I experienced something over at Joshua Tree, and the the night before, I had mentioned if I don't see something or experience something, then I would quit talking about all these sort of, um, I guess, taboo right. sort of subjects for some. And uh, sure enough, that night I got exactly what I asked for, and a bright light engulfed the um, entire room of the hotel. And uh, that was quite mm. an experience. I have no idea to this day what the hell that was, but many other people have experienced uh, this great ball of light that sort of manifests yes. uh, alone. Uh, <laughs> no matter where you are, it just sort of comes at you. I've talked to people, Michael, who've also experienced this. What? Uh, what? You're just bringing these stories back to my mind. Someone who was camping mm -hmm. uh, told me they were in a tent, and it was like someone was holding a flashlight over the tent, a bright flashlight. Yes. And they went out, and it wasn't coming from a flashlight. I mean, it was something in the sky. That's, um, yeah, that's, that's bizarre. Uh, you know, for it ha happening yeah. in a hotel room and me closing my eyes as tight yeah. as I could and still being a, still seeing that powerful white light, you know, uh, that yeah. was quite yeah. bizarre. Well, so this is the thing, Michael. You know, all of these topics that we're talking about. See, yes, my sir. background is actually the sociology, even though I used to build kits, kid radio kits and things from Heath Kitten Radio Shack. I mean, I had experience with engineering electronics just by building electronic kits. So I kind of knew the parameters of how electronics works to know when there's some real variation, like you'd see mm -hmm. people report around UFOs or I saw around crop circles, you know, paranormal sorts of reactions from of those devices, you know, stopping working, stuff like that. Uh, but my background is a sociologist. There is a name in sociology for what we're talking about, and it's called hidden events. And these are events that people experience, but they don't talk about because they're afraid of ostracism. So, I mean, you're talking about seeing bright lights in the hotel. It's so bright it came through the window and the curtain. And I've talked to these people, but people are very reluctant to share this because there is a deep fear, I think, of people in the U.S. of being ostracized, being seen as weird, right, as a kook. It's used as a weapon. It's actually called the weaponization of stigma when governments use it to keep their you know, like military pilots quiet about what they see. But the truth is, a lot of people have experienced these types of phenomena, whether it's cryptids, they put UFOs, telepathic events, you know, precognition, stuff like this. Sure. Uh, so I think it happens a lot more than we're aware of, but somehow once you end up in university or any formal setting, people are afraid of the giggle factor. It's part of our culture. 
And I think we're having to deal with that right now. I mean, if Congress is having these hearings, I'm told there's another one coming up in November, of increasingly credible witnesses. We had one of these hearings a couple months ago. You're talking highly trained, you know, top gun trained F-18 pilots, uh, you know, top gun trained right. radar operators. People are saying, look, I know what ordinary objects look like. These things move way too quickly, made right angle turns. You're increasingly getting testimony from those sorts of people uh, that even the Navy has issued new policies saying we won't penalize you, you know, your career for talking about these sightings. It's a big change of direction for a culture that has uh, really, you know, attacked people with different points of view. Even people that studied quantum mechanics a uh, hundred years ago, 70 years ago, around that time, were subject to these attacks. Uh, well-known scientists could be attacked for interest in quantum mechanics. They were seen as weird. So it's something that we have to address in this country of why we do that. Uh, what What is it? Why are we afraid of new scientific information? And going back to what we were saying at the beginning of the conversation, you asked why the U.S. government is so behind right. compared to other governments. I think it has something to do with this. I think uh, I was talking about the citizen hearing organized by Paradigm Research Group Steve Bassett at the National Press Club. Okay, so C-SPAN has cameras there that can be turned on remotely, and they didn't even cover it for a minute. I mean, it was a five-day hearing with people that had worked at FAA, people that had worked at uh, missile launch control facilities as part of Strategic Air Command, and very credible people, people that run the you know aeronautic infrastructure of our country, and yet C-SPAN wouldn't cover it. Mm. They'll cover almost anything going on at the National Press Club, you know, any boring thing. And everything, half yeah. The time you'll see. And yet they wouldn't cover something <laughs> where you have people from the FAA saying there's a cover-up going on. It was at a meeting and they wanted all the tapes and the data, John Callahan. And it's been going or, on, and it's been going on since the uh, late '90s as well. I mean, even going back to Bill Clinton, who originally wanted to be the quote-unquote disclosure president. Right. Right. It's been going on ever since probably maybe even earlier. Yeah, earlier. It, it's a real deep question of why. What What are we attempting to avoid? I mean, I, I often think you can't just blame the government because the government is made up in a large part from elected officials. So people are electing these people, right? Right. At least Congress people and senators. I mean, they could change things if they really wanted to. Uh, it, it has something to do with us. Uh, as I mentioned, they couldn't get uh, any sitting Congress people or senators to attend this citizen hearing. They wanted it to be a real hearing with testimony under oath. And everyone said it'd be, uh, it's going to be bad for my career. Hmm. Uh, so I can't be associated. So they paid people, retired uh, retired senator and Congress people to attend, which they got criticized for. But they, they couldn't get any sitting senator. They couldn't get anyone else to attend. So they had to hire retired people. And. I talked to one of these people afterwards, Merrill Cook, representing Salt Lake City, who had served in Congress. And he was at the hearing, and I, t I had lunch with him while we were there, you know, around this, 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 uh, you know, this group lunch. And I talked to him after the hearing. I said, what did you think? He goes, I was really impressed. I think we need to address this. Um, and then a few years later, he was at the Open Mind UFO Congress in Scottsdale, outside of Scottsdale at the time. And he said in that recorded presentation, which I didn't hear in person, but I got the recording. So I wonder what was he thinking even a couple of years later. He said he had talked to his other congressmen and women 
representing Utah. And a lot of them said, we know. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Oh, this is real, but we, we wouldn't get reelected if we talked about it because we get reelection money from the special access program. Not to talk about it. Can you believe that? Uh, well, that They're makes sense. They're getting re money not to talk about it. And we're told this is going on right now with these hearings that there's opposition to it from defense contractors and aerospace companies which suggests they may know more than they're letting on, right? Oh, they do. have pieces of something. Oh, they know. And they don't want the eminent domain, right? They don't want it being taken away, or they don't want the information. Well, I don't know what their motivation is. Right, we don't know. But (laughs) they may be giving re-election money to these people, Mike Turner from Ohio, who said, oh, I don't want any more hearings. Well, he represents Wright-Patterson district. So are the people at Wright-Pat trying to squelch the public discussion. I don't understand what's wrong with public discussion of any subject. I don't either. I don't see what could be wrong about that. Yeah, and they what, can... what could you lose by bringing forward qualified people, pilots and people who've seen this from finding uh, people who, you know, the people that launched the atomic weapons, nuclear missiles. Right. They were, they were at the citizen hearing. And you don't take those people seriously. They have the finger on the button. And when they're telling you their missile control launch systems were shut down at all at once, you know, all 10 missiles going down simultaneously or within the space of a minute or two, boom, 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 they're all just going down. Separate systems on completely separate power and control systems all going down at once. And it happened when an object was over the missile launch facility that multiple people saw. If that isn't worthy of discussion, I mean, what, what, what could be more important than that? I agree. I don't see much more important than that. It's really serious. And so this is where we're at. And it's a fascinating discussion we're having because, I mean, why, what is the hesitancy to have these people give testimony? I, I Yes. And by the way, that, that reminds me, um, one of the last times I heard you was actually on the radio. Yeah. Now that I think about it, you were uh, being interviewed mm-hmm. by George Knapp. Right, right. I've been on Coast to Coast. And George is a great guy. I like George a lot. Great research. You know, there's a documentary mm-hmm. that came out about him that you can see on YouTube. Uh, News Nation put it together. That uh, News Nation has been covering this issue very well. Uh, it's an affiliated news production group, I think, out of Chicago. They've been covering the hearings and so forth, and they put together. Uh, I saw part one, a documentary about George Knapp, and it was all about how he got involved with this, and he was a skeptic too initially. Before he ran into people like, I think he did an interview with a guy named, oh, this is a, a hilarious. So George Knapp got involved with this by interviewing a guy on his news program called John Lear. John Lear, right. 
Yeah. Um, the Learjet fan, his dad. Yeah, his dad. The Learjet. Mm -hmm. And John had been a pilot for the U.S. government, right? Right. And, and you you can see this original interview on this News Nation documentary with George and Ab, where he's interviewing John Lear. John Lear's talking about the reality of UFOs and ETs and all this stuff and how it's being kept secret at Area 51. And you can see the, that uh, George Neff is skeptical. You can see it in his face. I mean, he's trying to do a good job of being given an objective interview, but you can see he's having trouble with this topic from John Lear just laying it all out. I'm not saying everything John Lear said was true, but it had the authenticity of someone who really knew what they were talking about, someone that had worked in the government in secret aircraft operations, by the way. Right. So uh, there's John uh, George all those years ago, I think in the 80s, listening, and then John Lear's talking about Bob Lazar and all this stuff, and this is how George got involved. He thought, is this, like all of us, yeah, who I, are I, brought up in the system, is this, is this for real? And here we have, decades later, George Knapp is one of the people at the forefront of research, still has still a going. show dedicated to this, weaponized with Jeremy Corbell. And he's still doing a great job investigating all this. So, yeah, that was the interview I did with him. He's one of the real heroes here. Absolutely. Much respect to uh, Knapp and Corbell, and, of course, rest in peace to uh, John Lear. And, of course, I had brought him on this program yeah. about seven seven years ago, I think it was. And, you know, I had talked to him right, right uh, near the very end, and my goodness, he was in a lot of pain, my friend. Yeah, he was. I, I saw him towards the end of his life, too, yeah. He showed up at the Laughlin Mega Conference. Ah, uh, yeah. I think that was right before he passed on. Yeah. He, he gives a lot of pain. But I talked to him around 2000 uh, in person at the UFO Crash Conference created by Bob and Ryan Wood. Uh, Bob uh, Wood had worked for uh, McDonnell Douglas, if I'm not mistaken. He was at the Citizen hearing talking about how McDonald does his career. McDonald does is the only company that he ever worked for. And they were interested in the propulsion systems. He was on a program. He told us to reverse engineer UF. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, propulsion systems. I mean, if this isn't real, like Project Blue Book told us, and we were told by NASA Administrator Bill Nelson just a few weeks ago at the NASA press conference that they haven't seen any evidence yet that this is extraterrestrial. And also Sean Kirkpatrick of Arrow, you know, right. the new Pentagon. Well, if, if, if they're saying it, it's not real, there's no evidence, why is a defense contractor spending money 
hard-earned money. A lot of money. Reverse engineer. There's lots of money on the propulsion system, like Bob told us they couldn't figure it out. What do they do? Stanton Friedman, too, is another one. And so uh, these people were at, Stanton Friedman was at the USO, UFO crash conference. I went to a whole number of these held in Vegas starting in 2000. I just found all the programs from those, which were really well done. They had all the slides and everything from nice. the presentation. And I talked to Lear, and he had just been on with Art Bell the night before, mm-hmm. or two nights before, this conference in, in Vegas. And I went up to him. He was on Art Bell on Coast to Coast. And I said, John, are things as bad as you said on Coast to Coast? <laughs> and he said, no, it's worse. Yeah. <laughs> That's something he would definitely say. And by the way, go, going going back to your sighting, you know, I uh, yeah. your original sighting there with um, the, um, I, I think, the triangular craft. You know, I noticed the Travis Walton poster in your office. Um, luckily, that didn't happen to you. You saw that? You must have seen a very recent interview. I did. Because I just put that up. I have good eyes. Coming very good. I interviewed you win a, the prize. I do, and I interviewed Travis and Mike together a few years back. Uh, you know, back when um, times were different, COVID BC, I like to call it, and you know, back when they were getting along. And uh, if you don't know by now, they they've been clashing quite publicly about what happened, what didn't happen. And you know, I like yeah. Mike, I like Travis. Both of them are are hilarious, especially off air. Um, I, I don't know where it went wrong. I tried talking to Mike. And Travis, and both of yeah. them are not taking my call right now. I don't know why. I think I might have uh, got them. Uh, I, I, I'm sure I would have. So, I did something. Yeah, yeah, it's probably not. This can happen in this area. It's not not your fault or anything. People can have different points of view and change stories. I've interviewed Bigfoot witnesses who wanted to bring the other people on. Like Gary Anderson, radio talk show host. I interviewed him about his Bigfoot encounter mm-hmm. uh, in D.C. And he tried to get the other person on, a doctor uh, from Washington State, on, and the guy said, hell no, I don't wow. even want to think about it. You see, uh, they never really talked much after it. They had such different reactions to what they had experienced, yeah. and they couldn't come to terms. And uh, these phenomena often cause that reaction in friends, whether it's UFOs or Bigfoot or whatever, they don't, they go different ways because it's traumatic, and it's not easy to deal with. What you're referring to, you do have good eyes. That is a Claudio Burgundy artwork, signed, uh, limited edition print with Travis's uh, signature. I can't believe you saw that because that is from the Vernal Phenomicon conference, and that is in my office now. And I have uh, Travis Walton case was fascinating. He presented again at Vernal, and again, you know, again, my I, my background is a sociologist. Right. It's how do people deal with this type of trauma? It's not necessarily traumatic from the extraterrestrials. It might be, but for Travis, it wasn't. He felt that they were trying to heal him from some accidental energy discharge of the craft accumulating. Now, this is important, Michael. Yes, sir. Static electricity. It was not a deliberate, you know, for people who are familiar with the story, this beam. We're told the beam came from the ship. He gets out of the truck with the loggers and walks over. It's so curious, right? And it triggers the, a reaction of energy. But he felt that that was really unintentional, and they were they picked him up to heal him, you know? They That's what he up. says, yeah. That's what he says, but it's the reaction. I once heard a, uh, a panel of people, his brother and the sheriff from the town of Snowflake, 
at one of these UFO international conferences, Congress conferences. Again, outside of Scottsdale. And they said... This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. The reaction of the townspeople was so negative, they all wished it had never happened. Wow. It, it was a fundamentalist town. This was not something you would do to yourself voluntarily. They got made fun of for years after Travis's experience, the whole family. And uh, so we have the phenomena that we're dealing with, even something mild like remote viewing. And then the reaction you get, there's two components. There's the phenomena itself. There's your experience of it. Probably three levels right here and how other people treat you. And people like Travis, very brave to keep talking about this uh, experience. But it, he says it happened. And despite the ridicule they got from the townspeople, he still continues to lecture. So we're really fortunate we have people like him to tell us what it's like to have these experiences, right? Absolutely. Uh, so... Yeah, so Travis is a very interesting example of this. The, the, at his presentation, he described the color of the craft. And this was very interesting. He said it was bluish, but it wasn't blue, if you know what I mean. I do. It was, again, sounds a lot like a plasma or self-organized plasma, what we call coherent matter, that emits a bluish sort of light. Right. I've heard other mm -hmm. UFO witnesses describe this. In Black Swan Ghost, I have Peter Leather, uh, one of the Queen's jockeys at the time who had a very strange encounter going over the downs one night at 1 a.m. with a friend and get, got calls, strange calls after the sighting uh, of agencies that wouldn't identify themselves, even invited him to a so-called quote-unquote UFO conference, but he was the only speaker, if you can imagine that. <laughs> uh, the people at this conference are wearing uniforms that look like military uniforms but hmm. they're from all over the world and it's hard he doesn't even know who they are they maybe un or something like this he described an object in this beam that got out of the craft near surrey as giving off red light but not like it was a flashlight it just reminded me of what uh, travis said it's like it, a slight light but it's like radiating almost yeah, exactly it's radiating energy which our eyes pick up as color but it's not like a flashlight or a light. You he know? mentioned and that. Travis, yeah, the he... first time I heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not like the UFO Travis always giving off like it was a blue light. It was emitting an energy, like you're saying, Michael. That right. Was bluish. He he said that in an interview that we did, uh, and I thought right. I thought yeah that makes sense. And by the way, but I got to ask you this. Obviously, you're a longtime UFO researcher, and in relation to abductions, I must say that the earliest abduction experiences. They kind of all began quite pleasant, filled with messages of like saving the planet and taking care of one another and of course the use of nuclear weapons and of course, then later, the abduction experiences turned quite ominous and the experiences were no longer filled with rainbows and confetti. The abduction experiences became right. traumatizing and I've been wondering, Mr. Yeah. Hine, why is that? Do you have any theories of what that could possibly be? I don't know exactly why that is. They have changed over time. Remember, they used to be called contactees. That's right. And then and those were all 
Keith Lovin. And you had, all the, yeah, you had all the channelers at that time, too. And the channelers. It's fascinating, isn't it? It is. It, it really um, is. And then, then there were the ones that are, uh, some of them are not pleasant, what people say. Right. Uh, I mean, it's their interpretation of it. I'm not discounting what they're saying at all. I mean, you have to think, we, I mean, we tag animals on this planet for scientific reasons. You know, we go kind of abduct animals and release them again. So it's not totally out of what we're used to for doing to animals, except we're being treated like the animal. Right, and of course. Uh, I don't know exactly what is going on. I don't either. We had it's interesting. We talk about this. And All I know mm -hmm. is Terry Lovelace talked about this. Now, he wrote a book, Infinite Devil's Den. He had served as a medic in the Air Force uh, and later became a lawyer. And I, I know Terry, and I've interviewed him. And his book, Incident Devil's Den, about being taken aboard a triangular craft at Devil's Den State Park in Arkansas. I got to. When I, he I, and his buddy were taking. You know about this case? I don't actually. That's why I'm like, I got to remember this. Yeah, well, this is fascinating. I mean, he and his buddy Toby were taking a break, weekend trip, going camping, just the two of them. Uh, and they're, you know, they're, they're in their tent. Everything's like, you get all of a sudden, it gets really quiet. And, uh, they start to see the outline of a triangular craft coming closer and closer. You know, and wondering, what is that? And it goes right over the field, hovering. Yeah. And they see these like little kids, what they think are little kids outside. And all of a sudden, they're, uh, they wake up later and they're back in their tent with, you know, radiation burns, it appears. And uh, Air Force finds out about this because they leave the tent there somehow. They run, you know, to get out of there. And when they wake up, they're, they're you know, traumatized by this physically, yeah. mentally. Air Force tells them, don't ever talk about it again. Don't even see each other again. You know, like David Shindeli, who was on again on a YouTube show, uh, who was a witness at Citizenry. He wrote a book called It Never Happened. Mm, it you Never know, Happened. That's what he was told. He couldn't even, David told us he couldn't even tell the missile technicians who came to put the missiles back online. Yeah. Wow. They had his commander said, "Don't talk about it to anyone, not your wife, nobody ever." So he didn't even talk about it to the missile technician, and he's the launch control officer. <laughs> he can't even talk to the technician about what might have caused this when all the guys said it was a UFO. He can't say anything. That's how bad this is. Yeah. So anyway, Terry Lovelace talking about abductions told me, and I can say this publicly. I put it in Dark Matter Monsters which is about Bigfoot, which is actually pretty highly ranked in Amazon around electromagnetic theory. It's quite gratifying. We'll, we'll bring you back. Book next to Maxwell's Collision. Yeah, I got some Bigfoot stuff to ask you here, but we'll, we'll come back full circle to that. We'll, we'll talk about that another time because yeah. it's a whole other topic. Yeah, it's a and whole other. Right. Terry told me, and I'm just saying this, folks, because I feel we need to have public discussion. I'm doing this as a patriot, okay? He said he got a call from the high, a high-ranking person in the Department of Homeland Security who said we're, they wanted to know about his incident at Devil's Den, and then they said, well, we're taking the I issue of abduction, uh, we're treating it as a criminal mm. uh, activity. And then Terry said to them, and this is what Terry told me, and I'm allowed to repeat, he said, I didn't know the U.S. government had jurisdiction over extraterrestrial. Exactly. And and he said there was just silence on the other end of the phone. Dead silence. So... <laughs> I'm not surprised. I suspect, having talked to people like I do at conferences, these abductions, uh, Michael, have happened to people high up within the U.S. government. I believe I mean, that to be true. What we think are some non-human intelligence doing this. 
with the missing time and the strange wounds on your body the next day or waking up outside your house and the doors are locked, stuff like that. Yeah, implants, that I'm sort of told deal. This, yeah, yeah, I'm told this sort of thing has happened to people high up in different intelligence agencies. I believe they, it. Uh, uh, um, people have talked about this to who would know about this. Um, so uh, of them coming, you know, these people coming to them from the government, people who've worked in the government, John Alexander's mentioned this, by the way, uh, who's written books, reality denied and so forth about his experiences with these phenomena. And he, he said at one of these comments, I'm just repeating what's been made public. Right. Someone came to him, high ranking person, what's happening to me with these abductions? And John has to say, we don't know. We don't totally understand. So this, this whole, what we might be talking about here might be so profound. We're just scratching the surface, Michael. Aye, that's what I'm thinking. And that's why we're not talking about it. The government is afraid of some social collapse. I agree. Because it might be so huge. It must be. It must be. What we're talking about is something of such magnitude that who, the powers that be within our government, and after hearing what they know, you and I might even agree with them, it might be so profound and ground-shaking that they're afraid of the social consequences. Right. And, you know, that of is... People being afraid, not wanting to leave their homes. Because let's say we find out, and folks, I'm just saying this as a possibility, that they're already here amongst us that look human-like. Mm. That it, they're already blended in, as I've been told, by a number of people that have worked in military and so forth. That there's some types that you can't distinguish from humans. That it could cause a type of panic that the government may have said, and maybe for good reason, because you and I don't know all the evidence. Right. That the con that this should come out slowly, not quickly, for the sake of social stability. So yes. maybe there's a good reason for it. That's the only real reason I could think of at this point, because we definitely need the techno technological change. I am just learning about this thing called the Thor thunderstorm generator, which is a type of hybrid combustion plasma engine that's been researched by quite a while by someone who got to meet. Martin Fleischmann, uh, Fleischmann and Pons at, you know, Cold Fusion, 1989, yeah. Salt Lake, when they were really uh, completely uh, criticized and ostracized for saying that they discovered Cold Fusion. Like, you know, maybe it's not literally Cold Fusion, but some process like that. And really driven out of academia, uh, out of the country, actually. That's terrifying. The they were, had such a negative reaction from MIT and the Presidential Commission. One of those people that met Leishman in his later years, after he had been completely disillusioned, was working on this the whole time, a guy named Malcolm Bendel. And there, just over the past couple of days, there's been press conferences and demonstrations in Switzerland of a device. And I know a lot of people are going to be thinking, oh, no, another device that doesn't turn out you know, to work or whatever. Well, this is someone who worked in the petroleum industry who knew, got to spend a week with Martin Fleischmann. And who asked him to spend a week with Martin Fleischmann? U.S. Navy. He, he says it was someone with the U.S. Navy. I'm not sure retired or active, but he says that at this conference in Zurich just a week ago, it, it was someone working for the U.S. Navy said, can you spend a week with Martin Fleischmann, not a cup of coffee, a week, right? Yeah. And here he is decades later with his Thor Thunderstorm device, which he says is based on some of those principles, which having studied it now, Michael, for a couple of years, plasma, cold fusion, coherent matter, 
which is probably what you saw in my interviews about. Yes. This does seem to be one of the key components, the key ideas, keystone ideas behind all of these phenomena, uh, other states of matter. Oh, well, now that, my head is spinning. Yeah, other states of matter. You knew it was going to go in this direction. Oh, of course. <laughs> we, of course. Yeah, it, it just, there are states of matter even beyond plasmas that have been subject to classification. And we know the Department of Energy has purchased companies that do this. And now we have another person saying, I talked to Martin Fleischman and I was convinced he was right. I come from the petroleum industry. Wouldn't it be great to have an engine that reduces fuel consumption by 50% and has no pollution? It converts the pollution into energy. That's basically what it does. The combustion gases can be reused uh, at a kind of transmuted level, which is fascinating. It's just what it appears to be. Not just uh, burning them like the, the fuel, but literally achieving a, a nuclear plasma type reaction with the output of the exhaust. That would be amazing. That would be. And it wouldn't create this dislocation that everyone's afraid of, right? Of, oh no, we're going to replace petroleum overnight. Not so. It's just a, a hybrid modification that would have a lot of benefits. So this is how it all kind of connects. Um, yes. And we still haven't answered the question, Michael, why we don't talk why? about it. Why? We will. It, well, look. Here's what I think, whatever the reason it turns out to be, whether it was what we're saying about something that's alarming about this phenomena to people, or um, whether it's industry interests or special access programs that don't want to share the technology like we've been told recently from you hearing David Grush and others, um, uh, reality doesn't stand still. So whether we didn't talk about it for decades like Latin American countries or China or Russia, um, and it was classified and kept from public view. It doesn't really matter because we'll just have a faster stage of catch up. It's, it's catch up to the present moment because uh, it reminds me of some of these countries in Eastern Europe that never had landlines, but once they got cell phones, it was better than our service in the U.S. You know what I mean? I do. It, it was, uh, yeah, it was tech kind of a technological lag that turned yeah, into yeah. a they seem to do that here in this country, um, the companies. They like to cap it for some odd, odd reason. Yes, it's surprisingly uh, it's a huge country, I guess. So that's what they say, why the service is so odd. It goes up and then it'll go down, and it's very strange. It's almost very primitive, but the countries that were the farthest behind in terms of phones are now way ahead of the U.S. because they just went straight to 3G, <laughs> right? Right. And then 4G or 5G. Yeah. And we're, we're, you know, we started from landlines and went, went through 1G to 2G. And all that has massive upgrade, you know, expenses and so forth. And they didn't have to upgrade because there was nothing there. So they just invested in the lake. So that's called, you know, I forgot, Thorsten Veblen, the sociologist, talked about taking uh, the, the kind of taking the lead this way. There was a name for it that Veblen used when there's a lag, but then that lag. This was used with the idea of why Germany industrialized so quickly. I mean, they went from being far behind the UK to being ahead way back in the 1800s. And this could happen to us with this whole UFO coherent matter uh, plasma area. Right. Because we haven't talked about it and the stranger aspects of these phenomena, the time slip, the loss of time, all of these phenomena that go along with this uh, interaction with whatever we're dealing with here, this NHI, non-human intelligence. But maybe because we're so curious, you know, there's been such a 
a lack of information and a lot of curiosity rather than asking you to move faster when you take off that many steps. Right, right. And, of course, we have the uh, 